Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Welcome to the Off the Glass podcast, bringing a fresh, intelligent, thought-provoking perspective to the game of basketball. This is your host, Zeke. Thanks for joining me today, and today I'm joined by a special guest. He's the assistant coach at North Carolina uh, Wesleyan University, Division III level basketball, college basketball. He was the head coach at Langston University, which is in Oklahoma, his, his alma mater. They play at the NAIA level. Uh, he also was a uh, a coach at uh, Prairie State Junior College here back here in Chicago. He went to Richie's High School out in Park Forest. No other than Nigel Thomas. Thanks for joining me today, Nigel. How are we doing out there? I'm good, Zach, man. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate the opportunity. No problem, man. I'm just glad you was able to make some time, man. I know you guys are getting ready to, to get back going. Um, tell the, the people a little bit about, about yourself, That anything that I might have missed that you think the people might want to know. Right. Uh, you know, I think you covered it all, but, you know, uh, product of Chicago, uh, grew up on the South side, Englewood neighborhood growing up and moved to High Park. Um, mother and father got divorced when I was about eight or nine. So moved out to the South suburbs. My mother is actually, uh, she was a Baptist minister. So she moved out cause she took a job at a new faith Baptist church out there in Madison, Illinois. Okay. Uh, so I ended up going to school out there. So I went to Salk for elementary school, uh, Salk elementary in Richmond Park. And then went on to Hoot Junior High School, played there, and then transitioned to Richie's High School. So Richie's High School played there, graduated in 1998. And then uh, after college, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I had a, a few small college opportunities to play basketball, but I was really getting a lot of interest to run cross country, believe it or not. So okay. um, I, was in, I was a diehard hooper. I mean, you know, I just wanted to hoop so bad. So ended up going to Lynx University in Oklahoma. Uh, it's an HBCU in Oklahoma, the only HBCU in Oklahoma. In uh, the red shirt my freshman year, graduated in 2003 uh, with a degree in education. And I knew after I graduated, I wanted to come back and, you know, kind of give back to the game because the game was has always been good to me. You know, coaches have been good to me. Coaches have been like father figures to me. And I want to see how I can I can get back to the game and get into coaching. So. As soon as I graduated college and from Langston in, in 2003, ended up coming back to the South Suburbs and got an opportunity to coach at a Prairie State Junior College. They were actually in their second year of existence. And so Robert Fairbank, who was the athletic director at the time and the, and the kind of the person who started up, started up the program, gave me an opportunity to come back. And I was an assistant coach, a kind of a volunteer assistant coach with a small stipend. I, you know, I got a check for maybe $800 for the whole, uh, for the whole year. Wow. But at the same time, I was a kindergarten to eighth grade PE teacher um, at a school in, in Park Forest, Illinois school. So, you know, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., I'm a PE teacher. And then from 3.30 on, uh, I'm an assistant coach at the junior college level. So had an opportunity to be a, an assistant coach at the junior college level 22. 
I uh, was there for five years, and then I had the opportunity to go back to Lynch University, my alma mater, where I played in 2008. I uh, was an assistant for three years, and then I was blessed with the, uh, with the fortune to be the head coach at 30 years old. Uh, so I was appointed head coach in 2011 to 2014. Uh, some things happened. New, uh, new administration came in, new athletic director. So I was released from my duties as, as head coach, and I was looking for an opportunity. So I uh, kind of knew the head coach here at North Carolina Wesleyan College in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, and Division Three program, and been here since 2014. And so I've been blessed to be in this game for just finished my 15th year coaching, going into my 16th year of coaching college basketball. So I'm, I'm blessed. Man, that's, that's, that's quite a story, man. That's super dope. I didn't know uh, your background because we actually met kind of later in life. So I didn't know you had actually – you know, spent some time in the city, uh, the High Park area before moving out uh, to the south suburbs. One thing I did right. read, though, um, and I want you to kind of touch on this, and we go with it, this being our first question. You're saying you want to get mm-hmm. back in the game being so good to you. W- what does it mean mm-hmm. or how important is it uh, to develop players so much, not so much on the court but off the court, to help them develop and grow as men? Because one thing I did see – while you was at Langston, that y'all had a GPA, a combined GPA of 3.0. And I'm pretty sure that they were taking real classes. You know, you hear a lot of myths about, uh, you know, the studies and what the majors are. And don't get me wrong, some of that does go on. But do you also have some young men who value uh, their education? So with that being said, how how important is that to you? Is that one of your main focuses besides basketball? You know what? I think it has to be, Zach. I mean, uh just due to the fact I think everybody has aspirations. I think you and I and you had the fortune of playing professionally. But I think every young man that's played any you know any sport growing up, and especially basketball, has aspirations of, of playing professionally. Um, unfortunately, that's not the reality for everybody. So um, as I got older and, and when I got into coaching and I'm coaching at a NAIA level, you know, I'm recruiting guys obviously who want to continue their career beyond college. But it's been stressed to me that education is the key because nobody can take that from you. Right. Nobody can take a degree from you. Uh, and so, yes, you know, you know, that was pushed on me early on. Education was important. Going to class was important. And when I got into coaching, I just knew that, you know, I, was, I wanted to recruit guys who, who wanted to go to the higher level and play, but I also wanted to recruit guys who want to be, you know, impacting the society and the community and getting a degree and going to class is important. So, uh, yes, pushing that, and making sure that guys are being held accountable for going to class. And, you know, when I was at Langston, mostly my team were business administration majors. And I had a couple of biology majors and I had a couple of chemistry majors. So wow. um, making sure that those guys were, were doing the right thing and making sure they were connected with individuals who could place them with jobs after they graduated. So helping guys be able to take care of themselves when athletics is not an option I think is you know extremely key, and you know we're kind of pushing that here in North Carolina Wesleyan to uh, to Division three level. You know we may have one guy on a team who could probably play professionally, but other than that, guys are trying to make impacts in the business world. You know they want to be politicians. Uh, it's so many different avenues and so many different levels and so many different occupations that these guys are trying to uh, attain. That we got to help you know push them to attain those goals. That, that is very important. That is key. And one thing I noticed when I had uh, started coaching just for a little bit when I was doing it as a lot of these guys wanted to play professionally and rightfully so. And I will always tell them, I'm not trying to ruin you guys' dreams. Um, I wouldn't tell them they wasn't good enough. 
but I would tell them just be honest with my story. I always tried to tell people I didn't have that that glamorous overseas story. I didn't make a bunch of money. I'm fortunate for the experiences that I had because those were definitely life changing moments. But at the same time, right. one thing that I learned and I be I was trying to stress with them is how good a lot of these guys are and how like right. six three because I'm about six three. Once you put right. everybody in the country together, that kind of grows on trees. Like that's not right. you're not in a unique person. And sometimes what I've learned is it's not even about your skill level or how good you may be or not be. Sometimes it's about uh, your background. So what school you went to sometimes. Um, do a coach right. like your game? Is it the right fit? Or what I start to realize, is this even my destiny? Because it's a right. lot of guys out here that can play. And I'm trying to get right. those young men to understand that, like, it's cool to want to pursue this, but you're going to have right. to have other options. And I also tell them, besides even the educational piece, is just trying to think of entrepreneurship. I mean, I know that's kind of popular now, but even back then, just kind of trying to let some of them know, like, hey, maybe this school thing isn't quite for you. And I know you're doing it because um, you want to play basketball, but maybe you're right. somebody that needs to get into a trade and just trying to you know, start the ball rolling. Because what I started recognizing with a lot of young black men, they come from all kinds of backgrounds that we had, that nobody right. had had these kind of conversations with them. And I think that's exactly. very key and important. And I, I, I think you alluded to that when we was talking a little bit yesterday about how it's important to kind of be a mentor and kind of guide these guys into the right direction. Because one of these days, you're going to have to put that ball down. You're going to have to put it down. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, I, I think that's why, that's the main reason I got into it, being honest with guys and helping guys find out, you know, what their passion is. And, you know, because I had coaches who helped me decide what I wanted to do, and I needed that guidance. So coaching goes beyond the floor. It goes beyond those, those four lines. It goes off the floor and building those relationships with guys so our players can trust us as coaches, you know, to help them. Um, if you don't know what a guy really wants to do and all you do is spend time with them on the floor – developing them player development wise, but we gotta develop these guys as young men so they can become husbands, so they can become fathers, uh, so they can become, you know, whatever occupation they desire. Uh we gotta do things beyond the basketball floor. And I've had guys in my life and coaches in my life who've impacted me, who guided me when I've kind of, you know, steered off and not sure what I want to do. So I think that that's what coaching is. Coaching is, is way beyond X's and O's. You know, you gotta know the person, you gotta know you got to know people's families. You know, it's so many different dynamics to people's lives beyond basketball, especially in coaching, that you have to tap into. And then when you can tap into that, then you can tap into the, you know, to the physical side of it, and they'll go and they'll run through a wall for you. Uh, but building those relationships and seeing what guys really want to do and find out what guys' stories are, what their background is, uh, what their desires are, what their dreams are, what their aspirations are, uh, when you can do that, and you can have some honest conversation with guys. So I've been fortunate enough to have people in my life who had honest conversation with me. Like, Nigel, it's not going to work for you professionally. You know, you're not a professional ball player, but, you know, if you love the game, there are other things you can do staying involved in the game, and maybe coaching is one thing. So um been blessed to have those people who had those honest conversations with you, me when I was um, younger. With you coaching at the Division three level, um, what are some of the challenges that you faced that maybe another – uh, mainly like at the D1 level uh, when it comes to recruiting, because I played Division three, But one thing I noticed really quickly was that you still kind of need uh, a Division one, Division two player type talent 
to compete for a right. national championship. I think that was one of the biggest things I had to get adjusted to because I came from a Division One JUCO, so I'm thinking like, oh, this Division Three, this ain't nothing. But it was like, nah, these guys can play. We just don't have right. maybe like my junior college team has six eleven, seven feet, six nine. You might not just have yeah. those tall guys, but yet and still right. you have guys that can play. So with it being Division Three. And I will argue mm-hmm. you still need some division, at least one of your, your like, ideally your best player could have played at the D1 level to compete for a right. Division three championship. What what challenges do you face uh, with recruiting? Yeah, there are, there are probably three different challenges. Um, probably one is probably just the initial conversation, having any conversation with a parent, with a player, with families, is our scholarship situation. Division three, we don't offer any athletic scholarships. So anything that we can offer student athletes is based on their academics mm-hmm. or financial aid. Um, so that, that's probably one of the, one of the first challenges. The second challenge is probably, uh, just the talent. Why our talent pool is a little bit different. Um, who we can go against, who we can target. Um, I, I, a coach told me this probably about five or six years ago. I was at a, I was at an assistant coaches symposium, um, uh, in Charlotte, matter of fact, and he said, to be really good at the level you're at, you have to recruit one level higher than where you're currently at. Okay. So uh, that's kind of been a theory of mine over the last five or six years. You know, I always want to, you know, as assistant coaches, it's always my duty to find out what my head coach wants. You know, it's not about me. So I need to find out what's the best fit for my head coach. Who would he like? You know, what fits his system? What fits our style? Uh, what fits his program. So, you know, if I'm a Division three coach, I'm trying to find Division two caliber players because I just feel it's, you know, it's kind of unrealistic to kind of find guys who are Division three caliber and can win a national championship, like you said, with Division three caliber guys. So, you know, finding that Division two guy, maybe finding that low major Division one guy who slipped through the cracks. Right. And the other, the other challenge now is the whole – people that we have to go against who we have to kind of tap into to recruit guys you know it used to be back when you and i were playing you call the high school coach right. and that's who you and that's who you you know that's how you funnel the kids that's how you build the relationship well nowadays there's so many different people that you have to go through to get to a kid aau coach high school coach a trainer is probably the biggest thing now a trainer has so much influence on the kid these days in, in recruiting it kind of makes it challenging so there, yeah so if a kid is working out with a guy, you know, three to four times a week, um, that kid is probably getting influenced by that trainer. Like, you know, this would probably be a good fit for you here. And, you know, we're talking to a mom or dad. Well, who's the influence? Or we're talking to the player. Who has the most impact on your decision-making process to go to, you know, to go to college? And a lot of these kids I talk to, they thought you probably need to talk to my trainer. I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know, that's just the – that's just the dynamic now. It, it's changed. You know, normally you would go to a high school coach and you can get transcripts from him. You can get film. You can get all that. But nowadays, AAU has, you know, has kind of been, kind of taken over. You know, it's AAU coach, the trainer, and it's the high school coach. So, you know, so many different, so many good high school coaches out here, and I feel bad for them because they feel like they're on the back burner during the recruiting process uh, because they're probably the, one of the last ones that you call. Uh, but the, everybody needs to feel important in the decision-making right. process, in the recruiting process. Everybody needs to feel like that, you know, their priority. So those are part of the three challenges, Zach. And I, I wanted to that, – that was perfect because this was going to be my next question. 
uh, the training piece and then the AAU piece. I had uh, my last interview was with uh, a lady by the name of Miss Lauren Foster. She's from the West Side. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but um, yeah, yep. Yeah, oh, Guru. Yep. 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 She was telling me, yeah. and I asked her this question, and I always want to be fair. Uh, I don't want to, I know we're getting older. I don't want to be that guy like when I played, you know, it was like this and it was like that. But just being right. honest, and if we're going to use perspective, is I kind of noticed something was different with the basketball scene with our young people. And I don't know mm-hmm. if it's just here in Chicago, I don't know if it's nationwide. You've been in different parts of the country. So I'm curious to see what right. you think as well. But there's definitely something different. Um, two-part question. What 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 influence has AAU had from both a positive and a negative perspective, in your opinion? Uh, what's make it different? And, you know, are the players today different? Do they not want it more? Because you hear a lot of that. Well, they don't really want it or they don't know how to work. Is is that right. true in your assessment? Um, or do you think um, it could is not true? Or what influence both negative and positive has AAU you think had on the game of basketball? Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm trying to play devil's advocate here because I don't think there's a bad thing or a good thing, you know, about AAU. If I had to say something positive about AAU, which I'm an advocate for AAU, because I think for AAU for college coaches, it gives us a chance to see all the top prospects that we can see in one venue. So okay. you go to you go to a you know AAU tournament, you probably have about you know twelve to sixteen courts going on, so you can just you know and all the top prospects are in that building, so you don't have to travel all over to go see specific guys. Um, so the thing about that exposure, you know these young these young kids are getting so much exposure now, especially with the with the shoe company circuits, with the Under Armour circuit, the Adidas, and then Nike EYBL. There's so many different you know, platforms for these kids that get viewed by college coaches, it's a lot more opportunities for these kids to get evaluated and assessed by college coaches and their, you know, scholarship opportunities. So I think from a, an exposure standpoint, it's a good thing. Travel ball and these kids are traveling all over the country. It gives them a, a chance to get out of the area that they're from. You know, guys are going to California, Indianapolis, Orlando, Texas. So, you know, it gives them a chance to be viewed by college coaches. I would say on the negative side, the thing about it is that the entitlement piece of it, like these kids mm. feel so entitled these days because they're given so much. You talk about guys are getting shoes and all types of bags and gear. And the fact that when you and I were coming up, if we're going to an open gym setting, we're playing somewhere, it's win and stay on. You lose, you got to sit unless you get picked up by somebody. Right. You know, nowadays you go to an AAU tournament, you can play at eight o'clock and you can lose, and you know you're going to play again at eleven. You know, Grant so said you can, the <laughs> same thing. Like he said the same thing. Like what you're saying right now. Yep. So I think from a competitive standpoint, you know, guys are not competing as hard unless they know. Okay, well, in this game coming up, I'm going to be playing against the number 15th ranked point guard in the nation, so I got to bring my A game. Or hey, I see all these college coaches sitting at the court, and I now I want to play. Uh, but you know, it shouldn't be like that. You know, when you should be sitting, you should be on all the time. You should compete. Anytime you step on that floor, you should be ready to compete and play. But nowadays, nowadays guys can lose a game. They know for sure they're going to play again at a different time. So, um, I, you know, and, and, and now basketball is playing year round. I mean, it's 
guys are playing all the time. And it's a lot of wear and tear. And I think, you know, a lot of times these guys, these kids are getting burnt out uh, from playing. So they're trying to, <laughs> they're trying to save themselves. And now you've got the high school season going on. So um, it's a lot. It's a lot. But, you know, I, I can look at I can I can make an argument for both sides of it. And the play devil's advocate, to be fair, too, I think it's hard realistically because I coached AAU for a summer and I was amazed that I think one day we played almost six games and I was like this is absurd this is crazy and this was like right. the 14s I think I had so we're talking about freshmen right. in high school and I thought about it this like how we expect them to play hard when you gotta play so many games like you don't even have the energy right. to continue right. to play hard and you know I'm kind of working on a piece right now and that's why I'm talking to different coaches like yourself at different levels about AAU because I believe we've seen such a rise in injuries because these guys are playing too many games, especially if you're right. a top prospect. You know, you got to go exactly. to this camp, that camp, your AAU team. You got this uh, shootout, that shootout. You got Olympic right. basketball now. You got to go do that. <laughs> right. And then you're playing yep. your high school season. Now you got a trainer, which we didn't have right. any trainers. I, I can only imagine. Exactly. I was thinking like, dang, like if I could have had a trainer, but it just didn't – the idea, the concept right. just didn't exist. And I'm like, well, no right. wonder by the time we get to the pros, Jabari Parker yep. has two torn ACLs, not to mention, as exactly. I'm getting older, the diet piece. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. you're, you you go into a D3. I remember we only had so much money yep. to eat on the road. So a lot of times you're eating exactly. McDonald's, <laughs> eating Burger King. Right. So, like, we're not even yep. fueling the body correctly right. to allow it to recover, not to mention – our body is changing naturally because we're maturing when we're in our teenage years. It's like I, I just think overall it's not fair to the children. But right. at the same time, I think it comes back to the piece you said earlier, and you're a father, so you'll get this, is being able to mm. raise and model your children, or in this case we're talking about young men, so there isn't right. a sense of entitlement. Like just because exactly. you're getting sneakers don't mean you're owed anything else. You know, I think that's the exactly. illusion of what's going on right now in our society. And there's also um, no accountability. You know, I think that's changed yep. as well. It's just, it's just not because you're not being asked to do that, you know? So right. um, do you think the kids nowadays still want it? Like you think there's enough that still really want it. And maybe some of us are being a little too hard on, on this generation. You know what? I think there's a lot of kids out there that still want it. I think there's a lot of kids out there who have that chip on their shoulder, who have that hunger, uh, and um, uh, who just trying to trying to fight and trying to you know feel like they got to earn everything. And I think you have some other ones who are who are looking for that quick fix. And I think that's why you're seeing so much in the transfer market as well. You know, I think when things are going a lot of these kids' way right away, they feel like they can just move on to a different situation. And then the parents, unfortunately, are not holding them accountable and saying, no, you're going to stick it out. You're not right. just because you're not getting, you know, the playing time you expect. It doesn't mean you can just up and transfer. So you're seeing that in high schools. Now you're seeing that with AAU teams. There's a lot of guys now, you know, early, you know, you got three weekends in the July live period for recruiting for college coaches to evaluate you. Okay. Well, a guy that first weekend in July playing with one AAU team and he feels like, you know what? I'm not playing with this team. The coach, is, you know, not, you know, not giving me the proper playing time. Well, let me move over to this other AAU team. And then that next weekend, he'd be playing with somebody else. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a microwave generation where things, unfortunately, kids, not a lot of them, but a small portion of them want that quick fix. And if it doesn't go their way, they're looking for that quick out. And they don't want to stick it out. They don't want to 
battle some adversity. And I think that's where we as coaches have to hold these kids accountable. Like, you know, in order for them to survive in society, in the real world, there's going to be adverse situations that you're going to have to face. And we have to teach them and give them the tools and the resource to help, you know, think through those things or kind of navigate through those things. And we can't just say, all right, well, you know what? It's not going your way. Well, let's just move over to this other school or let's move over to the other AU program or even college. The transfers now, you know, it, it, it's, it's crazy how many transfers that are out there, <laughs> you know, division one, two or three. You're not playing your first year. Hey, all right, it's time for me to go. And I'll, I'll sacrifice sitting out that one year, but I'm going to go somewhere else and play because, hey, this wasn't what I expected. I think and I read so now somewhere that, they said it's up to an average of 300 players a year just at Division One. That I, yeah, I mean, that's 300 crazy. plus players. That's crazy. Right. Switching teams and switching teams. Yep. I mean, you don't necessarily want to stick out at a bad situation either. But I find it hard right. to believe that over 300 players are in bad situations. I just find that hard to believe. Exactly. That's just too high. Because, I mean, Tubby Smith was talking about this, I think, in a press conference this past season about how, you know, this. how can you coach a kid that don't want to – you can't really do anything and then you're in fear of them them leaving, you know. And I'll lead right, like, right into the next question. I know you're a college mm-hmm. coach. It's been a lot of talk. Do you think – College basketball is possibly broken, the NCAA model. Um, is there some kind of fixes that need to be made? Because they just announced this week, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be transparent. I haven't read all the details, but I did see a right. headline about um, elite players supposedly being able to have uh, agent representation. And now I think they went right. on and decided, like, okay, if you don't get drafted, even if you hire an agent, you can go back to school. Um, right. So I had to delve into more than that, and I don't want to really ask you about that if you're not familiar with it yourself, the details. But you know. I just honestly, I just read that with this whole Condoleezza Rice report, and you know, it's so many different reports, you know, coming out, and and they're trying to make, you know, they're trying to make, uh, they're trying to vote on different things. So yeah, I don't want to speak on that because I'm not educated enough on that situation yet to comment on it. But I, you know, I'll I'll give you what I can. But you know, I think college basketball is in a good place. Okay. You know, I think it's in a good place. I don't think we, I don't think we need to make too many changes. You, you know, the thing about it is, you know, they're talking about this elite thing and putting elite titles on players. You know, that's just going to mess up recruiting, to be honest with you. You know, because it's going to be tough for these mid majors. It's going to be Division two guys going to be, you know, hesitant to go after kids because of uh, that elite, that elite, you know, title. So, um, if, if anything, we need to, we kind of need to transition to. Uh, helping the college game to get these guys ready for the pro level. I think college basketball is the only level, I believe, that doesn't go with the pro rules. You know, yes, with the four quarters. <laughs> uh, yes. You know what I mean? Yes, so I yes. think, you know, even women's basketball, women's college basketball yes. now is going to quarters. Yep. And we're the only ones that haven't, and when I say we, because you and I played, you know, college basketball, we haven't made that transition yet uh, to that pro style. Uh, I think it's a, it'll make it a, a more fun style to play. I think you can get, you know, you can see a lot more coaching because there's going to be a lot more strategic opportunities for coaches to do end of quarter, end of half uh, situations. Um, and and guy, it's going to be more for skilled players. And you put a shot clock on it. We had a 30 second shot clock now. Well, now let's ramp the, you know, the pace up. We need to go 24 seconds, just, you know, kind of like the pros. Not to cut you off, but I've been saying this for Mm -hmm. years. I never understood why, at the least, this country does not um, uh, mirror FIBA FIBA basketball rules. 
It just makes no right. sense. I don't know why we would at least do that because the NBA, for those of us who really know the rules, you can't really right. ref that like that in college. It's a little bit different. Right. Uh, interpretation exactly. of rules is a little bit different. But at minimum, you should at least right. be playing feeble rules. I never understood exactly. that. It makes no sense. Yeah. And one thing yeah. I noticed about overseas, they're playing feeble rules at their youngest level. So you exactly. got like 12 and 11 and 10-year-olds playing with a 24-second shot clock even then. So I know if they can right. do it, I know at the college level we should be able to do it with no problem. Exactly. So if any change I think that need to be made, I would say that's the piece. And you talk about, you know, a lot of these foreign players being more skilled than us. Well, they're throwing in, they're throwing in situations at a young age where they're playing club ball at 14, 13, yep. 14 years old, and they're ready to be professionals by the time they come over here. And they just, you know, fundamentally, you know, just from a rule standpoint, their transition to the pro level sometimes a little bit easier than ours as, as Americans. So I if agree. I if, exactly like any rules, I, I would say that, you know. So I'm not going to touch on any of the other stuff about elite players or anything like that, but I would say let's transition to, you know, to go with the pro rules. And simply put, this is just my opinion, um, and I'm not plugging my piece just to plug it. I'm very proud of this piece. I wrote a piece called From Voice to Men, The Truth About the Guys That Went From High School to the NBA, and I put a lot of time and research in it. And this whole idea mm -hmm. that straight to high school, the NBA was a failure is one of the biggest farces that's being preached when you look at the numbers. Did some of the guys right. live up to that basketball potential like a Darius Miles or Eddie Curry? Well, no, of course not. Mm -hmm. But when you look at some right. of the money that was earned, even a Kwame Brown, I mean, you could look at an Al Harrington, guys were able right. to really make some nice money to be in position to take care of their families. Now, whatever happened after that, I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to talk about that. But... The, the right. point of it is they had the opportunity to make millions of dollars. And I think, simply right. put, this one-and-done thing has really ruined the game. And it's putting them people right. in, in positions with college where now they're talking about, well, should we pay the players and all that? And I don't want to dull into yep. all that, but what I'm saying is if they just went back to allowing these guys to go straight to high school, I mean straight from high school to the pros, or at least mirror what baseball does right. – I think the exactly. game will be fixed right off the bat. But this whole one-and-done thing has completely yep. ruined college basketball in a lot of ways. It, does, it has. It has. And I, you know, I wish they would go back to just allowing guys to better themselves and better their situations and, and their families. I mean, um, it, it, and, and if anything, you know, we're allowing these guys to come to college for one year. Well, we both know after the first semester of school, they're no longer going to class. Nope. I think Ben Simmons even admitted that. You know, he just needed to be eligible going into January. But he was no longer even going to class. So why are we wasting scholarship you know, opportunities for other guys who may be four-year four -year players? And, you know, and it makes it tough for recruiting. I can't imagine. I'm not on that level. I'm not on the Division One level. But it, it makes it so tough, you know, to, you know, to go in and recruit for the next year. And now guys who are – who are bought in to being four-year guys, and, you know, you're looking for established uh, programs and guys going to be there for four years, it's tough. And now, you know, everybody's recruiting uh, philosophies and, and strategies have changed. But we're wasting a lot of opportunities for guys who, who want to take advantage of, of those, uh, of getting a degree and getting four-year opportunities. So just allow those guys to go better themselves, better their situation, help out their families, make some decent money, because that's what we're doing anyway in college anyway. We're trying to get degrees. So we can better money. ourselves yeah. to make exactly. some money. Exactly. But why even waste our time? If we had the opportunity to do that right out of high school, why are we not giving that opportunity to guys? So, 
Yeah, I wish we, you know, I wish we can go back to that because you know it is bad I, on college basketball. I crunched the numbers, Nigel, and I didn't even know. Like some mm-hmm. of these guys, like Darius Miles, uh, Eddie Curry. I mean, they made upwards like sixty, eighty million dollars in their career. I mean, that's not wow. That's not nothing wow. to sneeze at. And then you got like the right. one guy that always wants to be used as an example, like Corleone Young, which I even proved right. if he gets drafted today, nobody gives mm-hmm. up on him at the five games like it just didn't right. like this infrastructure right. wasn't even there so it's just again right. i think the proper perspective needs to be applied to that situation i think that could be uh, a quick fix but we're going to pause real quick take a quick break yep. and on the other side i'm going to finish up with nigel thomas more to come on the off the glass podcast hey there are you enjoying the podcast if so make sure to head over to www.spreaker.com that's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. And become a follower of the Off the Glass Podcast. You can also head over to my website, The Off the Glass Podcast, where I have several blogs already written. Make sure to read, comment, and finally, make sure to head over to Facebook.com. Search Zach Ramey. Follow the page, The Off the Glass Podcast. Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. Let's continue to grow this thing. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Off the Glass podcast. It's your host Z. Again, I've been joined by Nigel Thomas, the assistant coach of North Carolina Wesleyan University. I'm honored to have his time today. And just wanted to finish up on this, man. Uh, the NBA, you know, I know you're still watching. We, we're basketball fans. Yep. Um, what did you think yep. about this summer with, you know, LeBron going to the Lakers, the whole Kawhi Leonard thing? Um, and do you think the NBA is in a good place right now? Or do you think this switching teams has really affected the game or the competitive balance? You know what? Um, I'm old school. And yeah, when I say old school, I, I hope I don't offend any of the real old school <laughs> cats out there. But, you know, being an 80s baby, you just didn't see players doing that back then. I think all the best players want to compete against each other. I don't think they want to team up and, um, and try, to make, you know, try to make a super squad or a super team. Um, but I get it now. I mean, I think that's a, that's another reason why I say about the quick fix, you know, uh, it's a microwave generation, Zach. And if guys can't get it done one way, well, they're going to go to whatever extreme to get it done quickly. And I think they try to get it done to establish themselves, to establish their, their legacy. Um, I see, you know, LeBron going to LA, I see as a, as a great business venture for him i mean you're moving out to la you get to kind of work on the magic he's trying to you know progress his career beyond basketball he's yep. in the, one of the largest markets you know <laughs> in the world uh, but from a competitive standpoint i wish i would just see guys kind of stick with their teams and trying to stick it out it's kind of like when mj couldn't get it done against detroit for those couple of years against the bad boys well he didn't waver it's not like he went out and tried to find <laughs> other guys to team up with him i mean he's up there trying to get it done uh, you know, with, with some low caliber, I'm not going to call them bums or anything like that, but with some low caliber guys, he didn't have to go and, and get superstars because, you know, Scottie Pippen wasn't a superstar when he came into the league. I mean, 87 draft, he's NAIA Central Arkansas, so he just developed into a Hall of Famer. But you know what? So it's not like he went out of- I haven't had mm-hmm. this conversation with you. The thing I've been, I've been saying, I agree 100%, 80s baby. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the only one I didn't really like was the Kevin Durant one because I can't just go to the guys yep. that just beat me. That was my whole argument. But one thing exactly. I have been as you know been offering as a different perspective is you don't win championships with bums. 
And the only right. thing I will offer is it's okay for the general manager or owner to either mm-hmm. draft well or get lucky and put a team together, but the players right. can't do it. So I don't, yep. I, I kind of look at it from that side too. Like I, I get the that side because obviously I come from that era, but I often just mm-hmm. challenge guys from our era to say, well, you know, Barkley and them was kind of doing that towards the end of their career. You know, it was rumored yep. of Patrick. I learned this later though. Patrick and Jordan possibly right. teaming up, teaming up because they had the same agent and all this. It's just that the rules were a little bit different. But I don't know. I kind of right. offer that perspective though too, Nigel. Like, yeah, that, you got you got a great point because I didn't I didn't even know that. I didn't even know about the, yeah. the Barkley and the, and the Patrick deals. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, uh, the idea that they kind of can. I look at it from this standpoint too. The fact that they've been empowered a little bit. I think it's a great yeah. thing too. Like I said, the only one I didn't like was the Kevin Durant one because I'm like, man, man, bro, they just beat you. Like that's kind of tough. <laughs> but right. the other ones, I'm right. like, man, right. what's the difference between the GM and the owner doing it? That's how I would look at it yeah. nowadays. Hey, you got a great point. And and so on the flip side, and I know I'm kind of contradicting myself. Well, even when you play a pickup. At the gym, I mean, you're trying to put a team together that's gonna, you know, just, that's gonna be I successful so you can Facebook, win. I asked, I said, all my real hoopers, do we walk in the yeah. gym and just like, yo, I'm gonna pick the four worst guys because I want right. to say we won the ran the gym because of me. And most people right. were like, no. Nah. And I had a couple people you could just tell people just like to argue and be different and say, well, this is yeah. two totally different things. And like, no, nah, bro, just answer the question. Like nobody does yeah. when they go to open gym. You try to pick the best right. team. To, to win, exactly. so you can stay on the court. Right, right, yep. So, yeah, it's, I, I guess to, to kind of contradict myself, you got a got an excellent point, and I do agree about the, the Kevin Durant thing. Like, I'm not going to go to a team that just that just beat me. So, you know, I think the fans, from a fan standpoint, from a basketball standpoint, you want to see guys compete. And I just think, you know, when Durant went to, to Golden State and he teamed up, you know, honestly, in a seven-game series, who's really going to beat Clay? Katie and Steph and Draymond, honestly, you know, even though it's competitive, and I think, you know, they get taken to the series. Honestly, it's all it's all entertainment, and I think guys, right. you know, compete to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who's who's honestly going to beat that team? You know, <laughs> I, I would love to see KD and and, uh, and Russ stay together, and they just find a way to figure it out. You right. know, hey, we, this is our challenge. This is going to be our roadblock to the uh, to the finals, and we got to find a way to get it done. And uh, so. Like I said, I, I can argue either way. All right, I want to get you out of here on this last question. Um, you said you've been involved in this game for, you know, coaching for 15 years. Um, right. Two-part question then. Do you see yourself obviously wanting to get another head coaching job? Is your goal to eventually make it to that Division One level? And also, um, you know, what keeps you going? What are, you know, what is, where are you getting this drive and this inspiration to keep doing what you do? Uh, to answer your first part, um, you know what? I, I've always said I just allow God to guide my path. You know, I just try to do the best job at the job I have now and kind of let the chips fall where they may. I'm in a great situation here. Um, I, I would have said 10 years ago I was chasing that Division One dream. You okay. know, Division One. I just wanted to get on the Division One level. You know, you know, Lord God, just help me get a breakthrough and you know, try to get Division One as an assistant, maybe, a, you know, director of basketball operations, video coordinator, whatever, just so I can get on that level. Honestly, you know, basketball is basketball, and, and the more more money, more problems. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of guys, you know, may have 
asking to be Division One coach, and I got a lot of Division One friends, but it's a lot of pressure <laughs> on that level. It's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure to get, you know, high major recruits, and if you don't win, you're out. Um, but I think at this level, because you find guys who, you know, are passionate about the game, who want to get better, who want to, you know, help themselves, you know, get a degree, that's where I find my joy and my passion, okay. just helping young men the same way coaches help me. And at this level, um, it's a little bit more difficult recruiting-wise because, you know, i got to recruit such a bigger pool of kids. So, like, right now, for 2019, there's probably about 154 kids that are on our list that we know about, wow. that we have to be in contact with, where maybe at a Division One 2019, they probably got about 10 guys they're trying to go after, and they know they're probably going to get maybe two or three of them. Well, okay. us, because of, because of our situation, because we don't have scholarships to offer, but I like the grind. I like the work behind it. I like the behind the scenes. I like being an assistant because with an assistant, honestly, when you, when I was a head coach, probably 80% of my job was non-basketball related. So really? you're talking about, yeah, you're talking about meeting with boosters. You're talking about meeting with alumni. Uh, you're talking about having to deal with budgets, talking, you know, having to deal with a lot of administrative work. Hmm. And so as an, as an assistant, 80% of my job is basketball related. Okay. So from recruiting, putting, you know, breaking down films, scouting reports, uh, having to check on academics, you know, that's probably the non-basketball, that's the administrative side. But um, I love the basketball piece of being able to be in the gym and develop players. I love player development. I love seeing guys go from one point to another point, seeing them, you know, add something to their game each year, add something to their game each semester. Uh, and so I love that part of it. As a head coach, you're dealing with so many, you know, so much paperwork and so much, you know, dealing with people. And I love building relationships. So going out recruiting, being able to evaluate talent, being on the road and saying, okay, I think this guy will be a good fit for us. Um, so I love that part of it. If a head coaching opportunity presented itself, um, and, and it was the right fit for my family and I, and that's another thing, you know, yep. uh, life work balance is very key. Yes. You know, yes. in this college game, I'm, I'm gone from the house so much. My wife, we have three daughters. She's almost like a single parent from, like, September until April, yep. you know, because I'm gone so much. And so, you know, every situation, it, it may seem glamorous, but it's a lot of time spent, you know, away from home, you know, on the college level. Uh, a lot of time on the road recruiting, a lot of time away for away games, being gone for two or three days at a time. Um, so it will have to be the right situation for my family at this point. I'm, you know, I'm about to be 38 in another week, okay. and I got a daughter. My, I got a daughter going into fourth grade. I got another daughter going into kindergarten. So me being visible for them at this delicate point in their lives is extremely important. It, it really so, is, you know, man. It really is. And let me say yep. happy, you know, happy birthday to you early, just in case. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate that. Um, and I want to say thank you for your time. Um, one thing I like I told you yesterday I'm aiming to do with this podcast, man, is just get a another perspective out there. Um, let brothers like you come on and share what you're doing because we're doing a lot of great things, oftentimes and not, especially here I'm in Chicago, man. So much negativity, so much stuff going on, uh, so much senseless violence that we all know about. But I want to give a chance to let people know that there are uh, black men like yourself out here doing great things. In fact, uh, Affecting positive change in the community, helping grow uh, young men. You're a strong man. You're a family man. You know, you talk about your children and your wife and just letting people know that, hey, 
it's not all bad out here. We out here doing some things, man. And again, like I said, I appreciate the work you do, Nigel. Uh, I'm proud yep. of you as a brother. I've been telling people that a lot lately, yep. man. You know, I'm making sure I'm telling people, hey, I love you, man. I really do. Yep. Because it's just a love lot going mama. on right now, man. And I think we really kind of need that positivity and be able to embrace, you know, each other like that, man. So, again, I want to say yep. uh, thank you for your time. Um, best of luck yep. to you guys this season, man. And, um, again, we're going to have to link up down the road. Check in on how you're Absolutely. doing to do this again, man. But Nigel Thomas, thanks for your time, bro. I appreciate it. Man, man Zach, I appreciate you, man. Just, I appreciate the platform that you gave me to for us to have this open discussion. Love what you're doing for the community. Love what you're doing for the game. Uh, love what you're doing for your family. Uh, so just love you, man, for the, for the opportunity. And you got to link up. All right, no doubt. So that'll bring this right. episode of the Off the Glass podcast to a close. Excuse me, people. Uh, that was Nigel Thomas. Again, thank you for your time, Nigel. Have a good day. This is your boy Z signing off. Stay safe out there. Peace. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.